0: Hey, guys, this is James. And Greg. We're the co-hosts of the Sports Stands podcast, a weekly podcast recapping all the news, sports, daily fantasy, and anything else you can want to know in the sports world. If you like blazing hot sports takes, you like a little bit of humor, maybe a little bit of murder. No, just kidding. All sports. But follow us, uh, Greg. On Twitter at SportsStands underscore. You can follow James at SportsStandsJ. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, we got it all. At the Stands. And, you know, just check us out. You're going to love what we bring to the table every single week. Hot takes, nothing less. The Sports Sports Dance. Dance. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Sports Dance Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Cowan. And, man, we have a lot to catch up on this week. So much stuff happening in the sports world. You had the national championship going down Monday night. You had Tony Romo announcing his big retirement news on Tuesday. Russell Westbrook tying big records on Tuesday night. I mean, baseball began this week. And to top it all off, the Masters are this week. You know, they start today, go all the way through Sunday. You know how golf tournaments work. I don't need to tell you in detail. So, anyway... I'm riding solo again. I'm going to try to slow down my pace a little bit so I'm not speed talking. That's to benefit you, not me. Well, to benefit me too so I don't get dried mouth and make weird gross noises that you're going to turn off the podcast right away. So, you know, like I said, riding solo. We had the music last week. I won't bore you with that trick again. Don't worry. But, you know, I'm going to try. Maybe I'll start reaching out to some podcasts, some people, see if they want to guest host a little bit. I have some people that have already offered you guest hosting while James is away for a little bit, a little hiatus. So we'll we'll figure that out in the future. Work's just been busy. All that's been fun. So, but, you know, I'm making the time. Got to talk some sports. Got to give you my stance. That's what we're here for. So let's just get right into it. We'll start off right away, Monday night, national championship game. You had Gonzaga, new school, never been to the national championship before against an old-time favorite UNC blue-chip of blue-chip schools going into the national championship. Roy Williams looking to get his third national championship while at UNC past the great legendary Dean Smith. I mean, this game was set up to be great. You could see an ending like last year coming down, down to the wire. It came down to the wire pretty much. But, man, it, it was a... It, it sucked. Yeah, let's just put it simply. Shooting was atrocious, and we'll get into the refs in a second because, oh, the refs were the ones that made this so bad. I don't know if the shooting would have been as bad if the refs didn't stop the flow of this game every three seconds. But so let's we'll first talk about the shooting, the game in general. Pretty sloppy, a lot of back and forth of missed shots here, big man fouls. I mean, to put in perspective – Gonzaga shot under 34% and UNC shot under 36%. That is awful. Plain awful. Like I could shoot better from that. If you gave me 10 shots, I would make more than four. Doesn't matter from where three point line, half court. I would probably make more than four and that would still be better. I could make just four and I would have shot better than these guys did. I mean, Huge opportunities down low that were easily missed. Three-foot shots. Neither side could put it in. It was it was crazy. It was a sloppy overall. Didn't like it. Main reason people are going to look towards is the refs. Whether we like it or not, the refs were the big story of the night. People couldn't stop talking about it. If you just looked up national championship refs, you got about a million tweets about it just because people were going nuts. The refs were horrible. No flow to the game. Didn't allow the players to play. It's the last game of the year. Let them duke it out. A little bit of bumping here, a little bit of bumping there. Not going to hurt anybody. Let the game play on. I mean, you had guys, every big Gonzaga guy, their three bigs had four fouls. So in college, you only get five because they're dumb. Each one of their big men had four fouls before there were eight minutes left in the second half. That is huge. That changes how they play the game. They have to have a smaller lineup in. They have to take more risks with which big man they're putting in to potentially get knocked out of the game. I mean, it completely changes how that game is played and managed. These refs were calling everything. Except, if you haven't seen the video by now, you should go look. At the end of the game, they missed probably one of the biggest calls where... I'm gonna butcher. The, I'm gonna butcher who it was. I, th- I want to say it was Meeks, for UNC had the ball in his like legs, and his hand was clearly out of bounds. Should have been a turnover. Should have been Gonzaga ball. Instead, UNC gets the call. They get the ball with 30 seconds left, up by two. You know how it goes. They finish the game on an 8-0 run. They win, and I mean, it was just sad. The refs, literally though awful called everything one of my favorite tweets of the night came from at J- J tyler conway who basically said it was a picture of the guy like tapping his head the meme i forget what the meme exact name is and he's like you can't miss a foul if you call everything that's exactly what the refs did they called everything it didn't matter how lightly guys were hit it didn't matter if guys were hit. Guys were not even getting fully touched or they were getting clean blocks, clean steals. The refs were blowing their whistle. The refs made the game about them. They kept UNC in it for a while. A lot of their calls really favored UNC, I would say. Not to say UNC didn't deserve the win. You know, they finished it off. They kept it close. They made shots when they needed to. But the refs, oh, just awful. Need to look into it. It was just awful awful officiating especially at the end when karnowski had the ball stripped away from him by barry they called the foul on barry karnowski was going after the ball barely hit barry's face and they called a flagrant one on him and it that gave him his fourth and it was just like what what are you doing what are you looking at what even the announcers you know it's bad when jim nance is making commentary more on the refs at points than the players and how bad it is. That's just how bad it was. It was awful. So there's my little rant about how bad the refs were. Congrats to UNC. You got your sixth national championship. That moves you up past your biggest rival's Duke, who only has five. Uh, Roy Williams getting his third national championship at UNC. Passes the legendary Dean Smith. Maybe this means Roy Williams gets his own uh, you know, basketball center named after him. Uh, you could have the Roy Williams-Dean Smith Arena, just throwing that out there. Then you can still keep both of them in, keep them both happy. But So that was the national championship. Just happy Gonzaga made it, but disappointed in how the game went. Uh, it was just, oh, just awful. So moving on from the national championship. UNC had about 12 hours in the spotlight before 8 o'clock rolled around, Adam Schefter getting on his phone. Tweeting out, Tony Romo, legendary screw-up for the Dallas Cowboys, was announcing his retirement. He was going to be released by the Cowboys that day and signing a contract to go to CBS and take Phil Sim's spot in the booth to be an analyst, announcer with Jim Nance for the number one team for CBS's football coverage. Just wanted that to soak in for a second. A man with no broadcasting experience whatsoever gets put on the number one team for a cable company with a legendary announcer in Jim Nance. Like it, it blows my mind. It boggles my mind how that happened. I mean, we all know why Phil Sims is going. He was horrible at it. I mean, and he basically sealed his deal when he air wafted a fart at Jim Nance in the playoffs this year. Which, if you haven't seen that video, it's hilarious and uncomfortable. So, that basically sealed it for you, Phil. But, yeah, Tony Romo decided basically he didn't want to go to any other team. He wanted to stay Dallas Cowboy. He wanted to retire Dallas Cowboy. He got his wish. I can't blame him for retiring. I can blame him for taking the number one broadcasting team spot from probably somebody else who was way more deserving and would do a much better job. Go do the television show where you sit around with the coaches and everything and just kind of shoot the shit. I don't know if I want Tony Romo in the booth. I don't know what he's going to bring to the table. He could be great. We've seen Troy Aikman do it with Joe Buck. He's not bad. I don't know if Tony Romo has that type of personality, though, to carry a full game every single week. So it will be interesting to see. I personally don't like that aspect of the move, but I get the retirement part. I mean, and, you know, Tony Romo, as much as we make fun of him, memes about him, jokes about him. I mean, he was our favorite guy to hate. You got to respect he was a pretty good quarterback uh, while he was in the league. He had a solid career, came out of nowhere. Don't forget, he was undrafted and then started for America's team and dealt with Jerry Jones and dealt with him well. So, final statistics for uh, Tony Romo's career. He threw 248 touchdowns, 117 interceptions. Not bad. He was a career 80 and 53. He had six playoff games total. He was two and four in the playoffs, hence where most of us make fun of him. We all remember the famous Seattle field goal mistake. Uh, If you don't remember that and you haven't seen it in a while, just go back. It's fantastic. Just how he screwed up that badly. It was so so good. Uh, Made me happy as as an Eagles fan, at least, and probably made most other fans happy too that just hate Dallas. But yeah. Six playoff games, he was two and four. He had eight touchdowns, two interceptions in the playoffs. Not bad numbers, not great numbers, and didn't really carry teams. Biggest numbers in his career, three broken collarbones. He broke his left collarbone three different times. That is not good. And he had two major back injuries. He had ruptured discs. He had to have surgery. And that's truly what did him in. Tony Romo, probably smart to not keep playing he was probably going to get hurt again. The guy is literally brittle. Uh, he just falls apart. He hits the ground. Something shatters. Something breaks. He has kids. Go enjoy your life. You've made tons of money. He's going to make some more, I think, because I think he still has some guaranteed money on his contract. But just go off, be happy, do the broadcasting, maybe take some lessons in the offseason of how to actually do it so you don't suck the first time, and people just want you off the air immediately. But... Now it kind of makes it a little more interesting. So Dak is the guy. If he's has something happen to him, there's no Roma to come back and save him. I mean, there is that possibility, but I think Romo's done. I think he's come to terms with it, and I think for his own health, he's, he's smart to leave. So Dak is the guy in Dallas. Uh, good rookie season, but I'm just curious to see what happens. If that line ever falls apart, What's going to happen with Dak? I mean, Zeke Zeke is a talent. Dak had a great rookie season, but, I mean, we've seen fluke seasons before. Check out Nick Foles when he threw one interception or no interceptions or whatever it was for the Eagles. I know I should remember this, but he threw very little interceptions, and then next year he made up for that by throwing, like, 20. So we've seen this happen before. Not sure what's going to happen with Dak, but also Houston. Houston's quarterback situation is really screwed. They thought they got rid of Osweiler. They could get Romo. That's not happening. And Denver now has kind of shot themselves in the foot too because, you know, Trevor Simeon might feel a little resentment towards the front office. I mean, sure, he understands. Tony Romo is much better than he is. At least you would hope he assumes that. If he doesn't, he's a lot cockier than I realized. But still, you know, he got some issues there. Overall, everything will get figured out. Denver will still be somewhat competitive. Houston... May have a down year. Uh, I would be surprised if they didn't. Their defense will carry them a lot, but I don't know who they're going to have being their quarterback. They might be the new Browns, especially with quarterbacks, because they've just had a carousel going through there the past few years. But, yeah, so that's the NFL-type big news. The only other kind of big news, but there's really nothing come of it yet. Marshawn Lynch was apparently at the Raiders' practice facility yesterday looking around, so there's rumors you know, he may actually come back but I will touch on that more if it actually becomes a reality because I don't want to deal with getting my hopes up that Beast Mode's coming back to Oakland to maybe finish the final two years in Oakland off with a bang because that would be that'd be a great story and that team would just become even scarier. But no, I'm not going to get my hopes up. Don't get your hopes up, Greg. Don't get your hopes up. It's a pipe dream of Skittles and rainbows. All right, so we'll move on from the NFL making good time, guys. I'm getting through all this stuff. Again, a few more things to talk about, and then you're done. Giving you like a half hour again. So, next, Russell Westbrook. We're going to talk NBA. You know, last night, big game in Boston, Cleveland. I'll touch on it. But, you know, the big story in the NBA right now, and has been all season long, is Russell Westbrook and his complete triple-double dominance. I mean, the guy has been a machine putting out – Triple-double after triple-double. 82 games in a basketball season. He's had a triple-double in 41 of them. Tying Oscar Robertson's record. I mean, this is one of those records you never thought was even, uh, you know, like fathomable. Fathomable. I'm trying to use big words like James did, and it just completely failed on me. Um, But, yeah. It's one of those records, you think about a 41 triple-doubles, you think about the type of league we are in where it's points, me first, maybe you get 10 assists here and there, double-doubles, you know, at least in one category, not, you know, all three categories. You're not expecting somebody to put 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, like in excess of that every night almost. That's what Westbrook has done. He's going to get a a triple-double average for the season, which also hasn't been done in forever. I think, again, since Oscar Robertson. But so, he had a chance last night against, who was it, against the Grizzlies, and he just came up just short. But he's got four games left to break the record, and he's going to do it. Listen to the teams he has to face. He's going against Phoenix. Probably can get one there. Minnesota, out of the final four games, it's probably the hardest. And he has two chances against Denver. He's going to break the record. He'll get 42, maybe 43, 44. Who knows? He might just go off and try to get all four in the next games and make it 45. But no matter what, it's it's impressive. And that leads it to the MVP debate, him or James Harden. It's one of those things that it's still a coin flip because the standings. The standings matter to a lot of voters. James Harden has taken the Rockets to a number three seed. He's doing almost what Russell Westbrook's doing every night. He's just, you know, usually falling, he's fallen short of a triple-double a lot of times. And putting up big points as well. But his team in general is doing much better, which could be a, you know, a deciding factor. But when you look about it, I've always thought MVP, if you take the guy off the team, how well are they going to do? Rockets probably fall down, probably are a 7 or 8 seed. Thunder are nowhere near you know, even a playoff spot. They're not sniffing it. They're a d- bottom two team in the West because they have nobody else on that team. You know, that was really the debate a lot of years with LeBron. You could still make that debate with LeBron, but I think a lot of people are t- tired of giving LeBron the MVP. He could easily get it every single year. Most years, though, you don't have guys doing what Harden and Westbrook have done. I'm totally fine if they want to do a co MVP. Attack me if you want to. But I think that might be actually the best route to go. You're giving it to two guys who have both put up multiple triple-doubles. Uh, Harden's over, I think, 20 for the year, something around that. And, you know, Westbrook breaking this record. But both of them are key to their team's success. If Without them, they're not anywhere close to where they are. And so it makes it hard for me. But if you had to choose just one, give it to Russ. I mean, the guy has literally put the team on his back, going all Greg Jennings-style in Madden. And just taking his team into the playoffs. They're probably going to get bounced in the first round, but still overall impressive what he's done. I mean, there's not much else you can say. He's going to average a triple-double for the season. That's just crazy. I mean, this is like hitting a 400 in a baseball season. And I don't know if there's a, I guess, throwing like 75% completion ratio in football and going over like 4,000 yards. I mean, certain numbers aren't ever going to be hit or at least you think they're never going to be hit and then somebody comes along and does it. That's what Westbrook did. Oscar Robertson's always kind of been like folklore of how great he was, what he was capable of doing, nobody else could do what he did. Westbrook just proved somebody else can and it's him. I mean, the guy's a freak of nature if you don't know this by now, you've clearly never watched him play. So, congrats Russell. Amazing. I want to hear your thoughts on MVP debate. Who should win Harden-Westbrook? Comment in our comment section. Tweet at me at, at sports underscore. So don't forget that's always the two S's in the middle between sports and stance. Um, I want to hear your opinions on the MVP debate because, you know, everybody has their own reasoning for who to go with, and I'm always curious to hear everybody else's. All right, so we will move on from that NBA action. Other, Only other big thing that's really going on in the NBA Uh, Warriors finally kind of turned it around. Durant maybe coming back this weekend. But the other big thing was Cavaliers took back first in the Eastern Conference with a dominant showing against the Celtics last night. They absolutely torched them. 114-91. It was just... It wasn't pretty. LeBron dropped 36 points. I mean, he uh, also had six assists that led his team. Isaiah Thomas put up 26. I mean, he's been doing that, but... I mean, LeBron was just on another level last night, and the Cavs came up big. Big win showed what might happen if they f- square off in the Eastern Conference Finals. So that's NBA. Next, uh, oh, baseball season has begun. Yes. I am a big baseball fan. If you don't know this by now, it's all right. Baseball is my number one sport. I will stay up and watch baseball every single night if I can. I'm a big Sox fan. Red Sox, don't even try thinking it's the White Sox because they're garbage. But, hey, one of their former players didn't make his debut last night at Fenway and was dominant made me tingle. I'm not going to lie. Chris Sale debuted seven shutout innings, seven Ks, allowed three hits. Game went 12 innings. Sandy Leone hit a walk-off three-run shot. It was magical. Uh, but, yeah, so the Sox are 2-0 and on their way to 162-0, and so that's pretty good. Um, yeah so Chris Sale made his debut Red Sox fans lost their minds a few of them uh, got a little too happy just in general uh, but yeah it's great having him but you know other things have happened in the MLB since the season began Bryce Harper hit his fifth opening day home run in five opening days so that is very impressive uh, I would like to have that streak for myself If I was a player, that'd be awesome. Just guaranteed making the fans go crazy day one. Other things coming out of it. Steven Biscotti, I don't know if you guys saw The St. Louis Cardinals had a rough fifth inning the other night. Got hit by a pitch in the elbow when he was at bat. Stole second. Got hit on his other elbow while stealing second. Then, little dribbler infield base hit. He rounded third. Coming home, throw to home, clocks him in the head. Helmet goes flying. He drops to the ground like a sack of potatoes. I mean, if you're keeping score at home, that's three hits going around four bases. Not a fun trip. Uh, He had to be taken out of the game for concussion protocol. So, you know, props to MLB for making sure their players are safe. Uh, He, I believe, checked out fine afterwards. So, that's good. But... Yeah, I mean that is rough. If you've ever played baseball and gotten hit by a baseball, you know it hurts. I uh, I wrote a blog about it yesterday, um, and talked about when I played high school baseball. My coach told me to square up one time. Squared up, pitcher squared my body up, and ma- nailed me right in my baseballs. Oh, I dropped hard. It was an immense pain, and my coach comes running out and told me. Greg, stay down, and I was like, no, I, I can get up, and he's like, no, stay down, other school has a female trainer, let her check you out, and I was like, uh, I'm good, because when you're 16, you're already super awkward about yourself and your body, the last thing you want is some 55-year-old woman trainer from a school coming over and, you know, checking out your manhood, I was good, I didn't feel my middle section on my body for about three to four innings, but I made my way down to first base, and oh. It was not. It was not pleasant. Ugh! It was bad. But yeah. So you know how much it can hurt. I mean, it stings. You gotta shake it off. You gotta walk. You gotta go down. Getting hit two more times while going around cannot be fun. I probably would have been asked just to be taken out because I wouldn't want anything else to go wrong. If you don't remember, Steven Piscotti is also the guy that uh, I believe it was a year or two ago had a really ugly crash in the outfield that like completely took him out. Uh, You can look that video up. But, yeah, guy is not the luckiest when he's on the field. So that was also uh, pretty bad for him. And last, baseball thing I'm going to touch on because, you know, baseball is going to become mainly the main points-centric focus of the podcast going forward because once summer hits, it's the only thing going on outside of NBA playoffs and football training camp. Last thing is bring him back. Rumor has it. Thank you, Adele. Uh, yeah, so I'm bringing it back just for one thing, though. Rumor has it Clint Frazier, if you don't know him, he is a Yankee prospect. Very good, very talented. He's uh, had a few issues with the Yankees. Um, this could be another one. Uh, he apparently asked the question of if Yankees unretire any of their numbers. So if you don't know, the Yankees' long, prestigious history. Little retirement number happy. Uh, they have retired basically one through ten. So they're basically all gone. And they've retired they've retired a lot of numbers. They have like a whole museum in like their outfield for it, but pretty nuts. And apparently Clint Fraser decides he might be better than maybe one of those unretired one of those retired numbers. That number happens to be number seven. Um if you don't know who wore number seven for the Yankees, it was a guy named Mickey Mantle. Pretty good baseball player, uh, so I've been told and seen and understood and read books about. Uh, yeah, so Clint Frazier, apparently rumor is he wants to unretire number seven so he can wear it. That's uh, going to be met with a big fat no. In general, Clint, uh, let me give you some advice. Whatever number they give you when you make the major leagues, wear it doesn't matter because guess what you made the major leagues you're a fucking professional baseball player do you know how lucky you are i would i would i would give an arm to play in the mlb but that would probably also go against me with not having two arms but still you get the point you make it to the major leagues you wear whatever number who cares what number you want nobody nobody cares what number you want clint Prove yourself on the field. Maybe maybe we're where is 77. Make it two sevens. We'll put a decimal point. Be seven point seven. I don't care. You you don't ask to unretire one of the greatest baseball players in history's number. Like you just don't do it. I don't know if you're not that bright or what, and if you just know how to hold a bat and hit a ball. But I mean, this isn't the first thing Clint's done that's a little weird. You know, Yankees have a weird hair policy facial hair all that Clint has a nice flow of red hair yeah it makes it worse he's a redhead um, and he's kind of gone against them with uh, how long it is so you know he's kind of known to be an instigator uh, who knows if this is actually true this came out from a reporter maybe the reporter just hates Clint Fraser. maybe Clint Fraser was joking when he said it we don't know all we have is this content uh, so that was rumor has it <laughs> And so we're going to move on. It is master's weekend folks. So I would play the master's music, but I'm afraid I will get in trouble. So, uh, here's a golf swing. There you go. Golf swing to represent the masters. So the Masters starts today. Uh, it's already actually started, but I can still give you my opinion and who I think might win. Um, The biggest news coming out of the Masters is not the fact that Tiger Woods isn't playing. If you follow golf at all, you probably had an idea he was not going to play at all. Um, Instead, well, what's kind of weird is people are actually making bets on him still. Tiger Woods has had bets made on him up to $1,000. There was one. He was 50 to 1 odds, so people were still taking bets on him up to a few days ago. Come on, people. Be smart with your money. Uh, It's just dumb to do. But anyway, that's Tiger News, Tiger Watch, whatever you want to call it. The biggest news to come out actually happened last night. Dustin Johnson, the world number one, at his rental home, went to move a car, slipped on stairs, fell down three of them, hit his lower back and his two elbows, and was potentially going to miss the Masters. Yeah, he fell on some stairs and he might miss the Masters. Uh, That sounds kind of uh, sketchy. I feel like you would have to have fallen down the entire flight of stairs to make that reasonable. I know golfers and their bodies are a fine-tuned machine, and if, like, one little thing gets tweaked, game over. But I have played a round of golf with basically, like, a pulled hamstring, and I was fine. I was able to do it. Did I shoot under 100? I don't think so. That's not the point, though. You should still be able to pull out, take some Advil. You're going to be a little sore, but you're also, like, 32. Like, come on, toughen up a little bit. So rumor is his uh, doctor, trainer, whatever it is, gave him some ice. He rested. He was able to move around last night, and they think he can play because he took some practice swings without a club. So, you know, thank God. Would have been pretty pretty scary. But anyway, it's kind of funny just to think that could be what took out the world number one because he has been on a hot streak. He's won his past three tournaments that he's played in as the number one. He's heavily favored here at the Masters. Even with this slight back injury, I would go with Dustin Johnson. My other two picks are Jordan Spieth just because he seems to get how to play Augusta. He knows the course well. He won. He dominated two years ago. We all know last year. Kind of collapsed. Sorry, Jordan. I know you're a big, big fan of the show. But you did, buddy. You you collapsed. It's okay. It happens. But you know, I think I think he'll bounce back. So I think he's going to be up there in the top. Jordan Reed, I also think uh, could be up. Not Jordan Reed; it's Patrick Reed, isn't it? Yeah, Patrick Reed. uh, You know, also another guy competitive. I think he's going to be up there. I'm going with all Americans. Uh, You know, USA, USA, USA. Um, One guy I think that's going to do well but fall just short: Phil Mickelson, uh, because of course. Phil hasn't had many of those top two, top three heart-crushing uh, finishes lately. I think he had it last year at the British Open. He got close, but, I mean, is it really a major tournament if Phil Mickelson's not near the top and then potentially just downfalls in the last round or so on a few really odd Phil Mickelson-type shots, like hitting it into a tent and hitting a person and have to hit it off the table? It just seems like that's the type of thing Phil does. So, my three picks are Johnson... Speeth and Reed tournaments already started but it's Thursday morning I'm not that concerned you can still play put down some money for later rounds I am sure especially for the weekend um nice tribute was done for Arnold Palmer as everybody knows he passed this past year um and so every fan that comes through the gates today got a pin that says Arnie's army that was his like crowd that you know always it with him, so that's a nice gesture. Overall, it should be a fun weekend. It is pouring rain where I am, but hopefully it's sunny and nice in Augusta. They're going to have some massive wins, so that should also be interesting to see how players handle it. But in general, Masters is always a fun time. Enjoy it. Jim Nance, maybe maybe we'll get Jim Nance on next week. Maybe I can get him to give me a tie. You know, I'm a pretty cool guy, Jim. But the Masters, going to be fun to watch. Those are my three to win the jacket. I kind of hope DJ is able to fully play up to his ability. Hopefully that back injury isn't actually serious. You know, for all, all we know it will be. And maybe hopefully next year we get to see Tiger. I can talk about Tiger because James isn't here. But, yeah, be great to see all the guys back at the top of the game. I'd love to see at least Tiger be able to play Augusta again. Only for the sake of that means he's fully capable of playing around to golf. But, yeah. Masters are here. Should be a good time. It's always nice. You know when the Masters come, spring should be actually coming about. Not the 30 to 40 degree weather and somewhat snowstorm I had this past weekend. So, enjoy it. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to try to get some guests. I'll try to figure out some stuff so you don't have to listen to me for going on now 34 minutes. Uh, If you want, check out our blog. I've been blogging a lot more again, so... Just go to www.thesportstance.com. Uh, I've been getting stuff up there. If you want, follow us on Twitter at, at sportsstance underscore. We have Instagram, The Sports dance. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe, comment on SoundCloud. Again, let me know. Who do you think should win MVP? What are your master's thoughts? Uh, did you think the ref sucked? What are you looking forward to with baseball season? Let me know. We want to hear your stance. This, this is all about a love When anybody gives us their replies, I like to try to reply back. Um, But, yeah, let's do that. We really appreciate it. Uh, We love the fact that everybody takes the time to listen. And, you know, have a good weekend, like I said. Enjoy yourselves. I'm going to a whiskey fest this weekend, so I'm going to have a good time. And I will catch you all next week. All right. Have a good one. The Sports sports dance. dance.